You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the co-directors for Citizen Ash, Sam Pollard, and Rex Miller. Everything is concentrated on the razor's edge, and you forget the score, you forget where you are. I feel that my body's floating within myself. Arthur Ashe, bright young member of the United States Davis Cup team. We were climbing the ladder of inclusion. And here was this guy in this lily white institution of top tier tennis. Arthur was trying to figure out how he could help that would be consistent with his life as a tennis player. Some people think we are all brawn and no brains. And I uh, like to fight the myth. Arthur Ashe, that conjured up a whole image. He started becoming a citizen of the world. Arthur Ashe, the first black player to win the men's Wimbledon singles title. He had evolved from someone who was analytical to someone who became more about direct action. When you brushed away the gentility, his statement would be more militant than mine. His contributions became a guide of what other black professional athletes could accomplish. AIDS became another fight for Arthur, and he picked it up like he did every other cause. I just think about all that he did, and with such purpose and determination. He never forgot about his race, and when I say his race, I'm talking about the human race. Okay, so Sam, since I know you don't have as much time, I wanted to kind of go with you first. Sure. Tell me a little bit about what brought you to this project. And also, I know you you have a, quite a bit of experience as an editor before you even got into directing. So how that kind of informed how you approached a doc like this? Well, I had known Rex for quite a while. We had worked together before. And I knew the, I knew about the Arthur, uh, the Arthur Ash project from years ago. And then uh, one day I got a call from one of the producers, Beth Hubbard, who told me that Rex had been working on the film for almost four years. And they had sort of reached hit a wall, you know, in terms of just structurally. And they needed some new blood in there. It happens a lot of documentaries. And I said, sure. I, I took a look at Rex's, one of Rex's cuts. I thought there was some good stuff there. I thought I could help. But as I said to Beth and then the other producer, Anagotis, I wouldn't get involved unless Rex gave me his blessing, you know, because I'm very sensitive about not stepping on other directors' toes. And Rex was fine with it. We had a nice Zoom Zoom call. And then about a year and a half ago, I brought another editor in and we started to sit down and restructure and and come up with a new cut that we shared with the producers and Rex. We got feedback and then we did another cut, you know, so it was, you know, quite honestly, when it's something I've been doing for many years, not only as a editor, but as a director and also as a consultant on other films, because I'm a great believer that as a documentary filmmaker, we're here to support all of us who make these documentaries because they are very hard to make. Yeah. You know, you have no scripts, you have lots of footage, you have great archival, you know, and sometimes you got to go through, you know, through many, many milestones to get to the point where you say, oh, I finally have a film. And uh, so I was just there to help support Rex and make this film happen. And, and I'm very, you know, quite honestly, I saw it on this, we watched it on, we premiered it Saturday at Doc NYC. And I sat and watched the whole film. I hadn't sat and watched it in a while. And I was very pleased. I mean, I said, I said to somebody, 
I think I said this to Alex Gibney later at the party, Rex. I said, man, this film's got a lot of poetry in it, man. Mm. You know, it's not only informational, but there's a lot of poetry. And, and the other thing that's phenomenal, which Rex can speak to, is to be able to hear the, your main subject give you his interior thinking about everything from Emmett Till to playing in the U.S. Open to going to South Africa. You, you can't ask for more than that. That's, that's he's a very introspective, sensitive man. And it comes through. Well, so you, uh, you kind of lead into uh, the big question here, which is um, how did you get a hold? And this goes, I guess, to Rex, because you're the one who kind of got a hold of all this footage. How did you get all this great footage of Arthur's interior monologues and really his thoughts on everything? There's so much of an access to his life we've never seen before. How did you come out getting all this? Well, uh, two, two, several sources, okay? Uh, I'd say make this film kind of unique and special. And it started with a call from this woman, Linda Zimmerman, whose father, John Zimmerman, was an iconic Sports Illustrated and Life magazine photographer. And he spent a week with Arthur in 1968 photographing him for Life magazine. It became the cover of Life. And uh, she said, hey, we have 41 rolls of film. You know, what do you think? Is it time for an Arthur Ashe documentary? And then the, the next uh, person to come on board was Jeannie Ashe. Uh, and she had Arthur's home movies and her own photographs from photographing him for years. But uh, Jeannie sent me to the Schomburg Center where she deposited 47 boxes of Arthur's estate all his papers and writings and photographs, photo albums. And in one of the boxes, there was this like, literally like a thousand pages of a transcript. And oh it was God. Arthur talking in first person, but it was just on paper and it was typed out. And I was able to photograph all that stuff. But, you know, you can only go so far with like a picture of some typing, you know. Uh, so it turned out those transcriptions were uh, the result of extensive interviews that the author Arnold, Arnold Rampersad did, uh, which became the famous Arthur Ashe biography, Days of Grace. I think, I think it was turned into his autobiography, basically. So we reached out, Hannah Shepard, our archival producer, and a very charming, smart person reached out to Arnold Rampersad and said, hey, would you possibly have these tapes? And he said, I have no idea, but I'll take a look. <laughs> in the attic i'll go check and he called us a few days later and he's like i found this box it has all these micro cassette tapes and i think these might be what you're looking for so we had them digitized we had them transcribed some of them uh you know weren't of the best quality some of it is and i think the, the scratchiness even adds a little bit to it you know it's not perfect but you know the the, the tapes are 33 hours of arthur talking and he's not doing an interview, really. They're just talking and, and mostly Arthur talking. Yeah. And he, as, as Sam said, he talks about all this stuff. You know, he talks about Mandela and even Jesse Jackson and what he thought about Martin Luther King. And uh, Rampersad was writing, you know, this extensive, detailed biography. So he talked about everything. And there were times where Arthur was carrying his own dictaphone around and he even talked about what he's feeling right now in the moment while he's having a heart attack. <laughs> so, and, and Sam did a beautiful job of weaving that in there and making it coherent because Arthur would, literally was in the hospital, experienced a heart attack, 
and, and talking about he had to find childcare for his daughter. And, you know, it's, it's very introspective. And in the, in the interviews that Arthur did publicly for television, which tended to be short, he wasn't that introspective. It was more like this happened, that happened, this happened. In his writing, he was also very, you know, introspective and complex, but it's hard to always use written word in a doc film. Right. So, you know, the uh, narration that he was able to give to this film is what really brought his internal voice. And, and that's what always interests me about characters you make a film about. What a, instead of just the, they did this, then they did that, then X's and O's, you get to hear what they were thinking. Yeah, it's like, why did he do that? It's yeah. it, it's unbelievable that he preserved all that. And uh, I'm a tennis coach still, and I found it interesting when he was talking about what was going on in his head at the moments of greatest pressure on the court. Yeah. Uh, how did he get to be number one, you know, um, as opposed to the other top 100 guys who all kind of hit the ball the same way. But he got to be number one in the world. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So one thing I thought was interesting, I mean, uh, first off, how many hours of footage total do you think you amassed that you had to whittle down to like a 90 minute movie? Uh, what do we do? Maybe 30 interviews? Yeah, either 30 and probably, I would say probably 150 hours of archival material. Oh, my God. You know, plus thousands of photographs. And lots of photographs. Yeah. Yeah, lots of photographs. <laughs> so how did you decide, you know, um, even if there weren't all this footage, his life covered multiple decades. You know, he was such a big figure, even those of us who... Uh, like me, who, you know, he passed away before I was even born. I knew about Arthur Ashe. So how did you kind of decide which aspects of his life to focus on and really to center the film on his activism? And like, how did, how did you kind of condense it into this 90-minute film that tells still a pretty complete story of his life? I can talk about how it got started, and Sam can talk about how he brought it over the finish line. I mean, (laughs) you know, he's a tennis player, but I said from the first little proposal that I wrote, this is not a tennis film, you know, because I know that can kind of limit your options and, and, and street buyers are going to say, who the hell cares about tennis? You know, I've heard that said at the highest level, actually. So I was always interested in his journey as an activism, how he became the person he became. And, 
there were so many things that I found interesting. I was literally all over the map, but Sam was the, you know, the disciplined, structured voice of reason. And, and he can take <laughs> it from here. You know, quite, quite honestly, when we first started, we built it really chronologically. <laughs> and when I came on, we built it chronologically. And I remember showing us one of the first cuts, some of the early stuff to the producers. And they said, no, no, you got you to know it's, it's dry, it's dull, it's boring. So then we started to move around timelines and we tried to start to condense stuff. I mean, we had we had almost every aspect of, of Arthur's life in one of those early cuts. Yeah. But again, to get it down, you had to really start to sharpen it. And, you know, and, and one of the things you have to remember is a docu, you know, people people used to think a documentary was just documenting somebody's story or some some particular activity and giving the information. No, a documentary, I look at documentaries like fiction films. I'm trying to make them dramatic, engaging emotional, have, make sure they have texture, you know, and those elements I'm looking for when I'm putting a film together. And so we had a great character. We had some phenomenal voiceover. Rex has shot these wonderful recreations. You know, we had these home movies. So the challenge was how to tell this story without throwing everything in the pot, but trying to make it sharp, engaging, dramatic, you know? And when you want to do, when you use those terms, you know, William, then you have to lose things right. because all of a sudden you're not trying to give you everything about Arthur's life. Because if you do, it becomes less dramatic. It becomes less engaging. Mm -hmm. It becomes less impactful. Yeah. So um, was there anything about Arthur's life that was you were particularly bummed you had to let go? I mean, I'm sure there was. So tell me a particular Sure, one. sure. I mean, we, 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 we had a section in about the fact that Arthur wrote this book, Hard Grow to Glory, mm -hmm. and looked at the, the, the evolution of African-American athletes. And we, we, I had, you know, when I did the second interview with Jeannie, I asked her about how the book came about. We cut a sequence, we put it in. We recut it a couple of times. But it never really dramatically had the import that we wanted it to have. Yeah. And so, you know, we ended up losing it. I mean, because Rex knows that was... That was a very important part of Arthur's life to write that book. Talk about that book, Rex. Yeah, he, you know, to me, it kind of summed up his life in a way. It was Arthur had this quote that, you know, he lost his mother early when he was six. And his aunts told him that he became emotionally withdrawn. And, and he said, I myself know I, re I retreated into the world of sports and books. And that's where I stayed my whole life. So towards the end of his life, he spent four years five years and four hundred thousand dollars of his own money to have a team research the history of the black athlete oh, that's cool. three volume encyclopedia of the black athlete going back to slave plantations and recreation on the plantation um so i thought that was dramatic and it, you know it was a really interesting read and he made a documentary about it as well he did yeah. Wow. And there were, you know, there was some interesting stuff there, but it, it, it takes so long cinematically. It's not sexy. It takes a long time to kind of explain it. And then it is in a way like a crowning achievement, but it's not cinematic. It, it, yeah. Yeah. And then it, he did some other things too, but if you try to put everything in, it starts to look like a resume. Exactly. Right. You know? And then he did this and then he did that. Well, he's been retired for 30 years, but, and then he did this, and then he did that. <laughs> so it's like what Sam says, that you have to hone in on the emotional 
resonance, you know, the emotional drama and the emotional arc. Right. And that just comes from a lot of time, you know, of whittling down and trying different things um, up against each other. And, and then finally just abandoning ship and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting it out there. And then uh, my last question before we go, you mentioned that um, the first person who reached out to you said, I think it's time to tell the Arthur Ashe story. So what do you think finally made you decide that, yes, this is this is the time when we finally give this man's life and legacy the attention and depiction it deserves? Uh, well, for, for me personally, you know, we've gotten asked that question. Perfect time for Arthur Ashe uh, right now. But, uh, you know, this project got started over five years ago. So okay. for me, it was just an opportunity that came up and then I, I decided to jump down that rabbit hole. And then one day, it, you know, you're doing this. The next day you're doing that. And then five years later, there's a film. And it happens to be very prescient because of what this country is going through. Um, so it was, it was a bit a bit of luck and a lot of hard work by a whole team of people. But I think Arthur is important in this moment because his type of activism represented bringing everybody to the table, engaging people, not alienating them, using your intellect and your wits and uh, emphasizing. He emphasized that everybody has a voice and everybody needs to use their voice. You can't sit and let the world go by, but make sure it's your voice, your voice and not influenced by others. So those to me are the the points of Arthur's life that really resonate. And um, yes, it's a great time to look at Arthur's life. Uh, well, before we go, Sam, any final thoughts? You know, I, I, I saw the film the other night at the premiere and I was very, very pleased with it. Usually it takes me a while to, to look at the work I've worked, a film I've worked on and, and, and have a, a reaction to it. My reaction the other night was, this is a damn good film. <laughs> it was quite honestly. It's a damn good film. Well, thank you guys both. It's been great hearing you talk about it. And I, uh, you know, I think this is going to definitely be a player in the best documentary Oscar race. So I wish you both the best of luck in that. Thanks. Brother. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Be good. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the co-directors for Citizen Ash, Sam Pollard and Rex Miller here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Citizen Ash is currently playing in limited release from Magnolia Pictures. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, 
and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.